0: Hey everyone, Yas here and I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have another fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favour to ask and that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already, ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends and don't forget to get in touch guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter at the Coaches Net. Once again, that's at the Coaches Net, and please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to The Coach's Network. My name is Coach and I've got a very special guest for me today. My guest today is Gary McDermott. Morning, Gary. How are you doing, man? Hi, uh, yes, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Gary, just um, really quickly before we dive deep into this conversation, maybe to give a brief insight around who you are, what you do, um, and then we'll go from there, man.
2: Sure, yeah. So Gary McDermott, I've coached, I'm a coach. I've been coaching for a long time now, 36. Um previously lead youth development phase coach at Southampton. Um and then now I'm just looking to explore other opportunities maybe within teaching.
0: Awesome. Scotty, obviously, you know, you talked about, you know, being 36 having a lot of experience. One of the key things that I've kind of noticed over the recent years and I think I could, probably fall into that category as well, is um coaches who are relatively experienced or at least have at least you know substantial experience I'm still quite young so where did your coaching yeah. journey start how did it start and how have you ended up where you are now
2: my uh yeah great question my coaching journey probably started in a lot of school halls with a lot of pianos and about 30 or 40 kids at the same time so i was really young um i was about 17 back in 2004 I think it was um I met uh so my youth team coach was also a coach he had his own coaching business um and I started working for him just doing like after school clubs covering PE lessons if I'm being honest I was probably more of a kids entertainer than actually like a coach um but I really enjoyed it it taught me a lot about how to maybe like crowd control, but then also how to like individualize what you're doing to get the best out of certain people. So why is that kid playing that piano constantly over there? How can I get him engaged in this session? Or why is that girl constantly dancing over there? What can I do that's I need to change about my session to get them engaged? So I know the FA use sort of player engagement as part of their model, but that was probably back then when I first started thinking like, how can I how can i engage those individuals what can i do that maybe or what am i doing that they're not interested in so yeah i started like doing that Uh i went to university i spent i was playing and then also coaching at the same time really enjoyed it probably the best best time maybe uni was when i was playing was my best time there probably really enjoyed it learned loads met some really good people Um And then came back started working for a coaching company again I actually set up my own business in that time, so we had it was like a development Center so we had from under sevens right the way through to uh, a college program so under 18s and within that we did yeah after school clubs. um, PE lessons and then had the opportunity to go to Bristol city after that again through uh, my previous youth team coach. I uh, really enjoyed it, met a lot of great people there um, and then I was lucky enough after a couple of years there to join Southampton, um, I met a guy called Ellis Wilmot who was that, 10 years ago now, um, is still one of my close friends now, he brought me across um, and then yeah just been coaching there ever since, I've coached from yeah all ages really under sixes right the way through to under 21s. So so let's talk, let's talk about obviously you know, a range of different experiences, here we've got, you
0: know, similar to a lot of people, um, myself included, really weren't good enough to have a career as a player. So we've gone into coaching thinking it's the next best thing in many respects. Um, had some influence along the way in terms of, you know, maybe whether it's coaching that we should go into or not. We've made that, made that lunge and, you know, dive deep into it. What's been the biggest learnings for you in terms of right coming in, you know, you were a player before, Moving into the coaching space, what 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 would your first coaching sessions looking like? What what were some of the things that you're trying to do?
2: <laughs> I I cringe now, yeah, I cringe because I I kind of did what my coach did with me, um, and I thought that was coaching. So like he would do things, um, that I would then go, oh, that's just coaching. I just put that on. So I was just mainly facilitating things and bringing energy, um, trying to get people to enjoy it. And then when i thought on a deeper level like what is it what is this coaching thing like how can i get these people better just on that though what 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 made you think that because the thing is that you know
0: everything that you've just described there is probably typical of a lot of people in terms of well i'm just going to deliver what i've I've seen and you know even when parents look at your sessions they're going to judge it based on what they think coaching is right but i think everything that you've talked about is well actually that's it's part of coaching but it's probably just the first layer if anything
2: yeah I guess because they were a coach that's what they did I I did the sessions that I enjoyed so whenever I took part in their sessions uh, I wouldn't do the ones that I didn't enjoy I just do the ones that I enjoyed so I thought if I enjoy it then I'm sure other people would enjoy it as well
0: interesting so I mean you know, I was having a conversation with a few coaches recently around around this type of stuff and just hearing you say that's kind of reminded me that you know have we got these biases from so early on that you know As an example, you might have been a centre forward, so you did a lot of finishing sessions, as an example. So now you've neglected any work that they might do out of possession or in defence or whatever that might look like, just because your preference is that. Um, And how conscious are you about that when that when you're actually, you know, deciding that at that point, you know, so early on, you're thinking, yeah, I'm going to go and do what I enjoy. But have you actually even thought actually, well, this might not be what they enjoy? Does that
2: make sense? yeah yeah huge I, I have one big bias and I, I know I do I, I'm very aware of what that bias is I like dribblers I really I, like as a type of player I really like dribblers I just think there's nothing more exciting than seeing a player beat three or four sit a few down um, and I, I love it like I just get really excited by it but I know that's there I know that bias is there Um, but I, I wasn't a dribbler it wasn't a, a dribbler, I was more of a, yeah, centre back, play out from the back kind of thing. But yeah, I know I have that bias, but I think it's important to make sure you're aware of that bias and, and also get people to check and challenge that bias as well. Like, OK, he's dribbling there, but actually just lost the ball again. Um, on that probably bit, the dribbling bit, I've I've, I've toyed with so many ideas on, right that kid loves dribbling. I'm never gonna tell him not to dribble because that could be, in the future, that could be the thing that makes him the next Messi. But his teammates are getting really annoyed at him. (laughs) Like his decision-making is pretty poor in that scenario. So I've toyed with a lot of ideas in the past through, let's let them dribble, but what else can we do? So I did like player IDP sessions. So X player has got um, dribbling say in his IDP and he loves doing that. How can you as other players support him with that? And then what is it about that that like, you guys get annoyed with quite a lot? The best bits was some players were like, I know that's his strength, but he does it all the time. It's an overplayed strength. And I'm like, well, how, how could you help him get better? And they're like, well, maybe he needs to play like past a couple of times. So it keeps the defender guessing. And then mm. I sometimes find that peer to peer feedback's brilliant because you, you can say it as a coach but I think sometimes it appears to be I bit, think there's a lot of
0: credibility in, in hearing it from your peers I think I think and just just on that you, know, you talked about individual development plans and this, again even a kind of a bit of a hot topic of discussion with a lot of coaches that I've been speaking to recently what should it look like
2: yeah good I I think it should look like moments in the game I think it needs to be moments in the game but I also, what, what I didn't like, I'll tell you what I didn't like first, was like it looking in isolation. So uh, passing and then you have like uh, strength to regain the ball or something like that. It, it, was, it would be in isolation. So for me, I think a moment in the game that encourages them to do as much as they can on the four corners, I think. I'm still, again, working it out. So I, I, as a dribbler, I had a, a dribbler who w- was really good but didn't like the winning the ball back or counter pressing so those are big things so the dribbling might get him there but winning the ball back counter pressing that's going to keep him in in the first team as an example so we, we come up with like an idp that would encourage him to win the ball back but using his strength so it was it was quite like a long idp it was like uh, playing with the the psych side as well, it was like using your athleticism. So we're, we're saying that he's athletic, you know, uh, and he's thinking he's athletic. So using your athleticism, uh, recover to win possession, to then show people what you're good at. So feeding back from the feedback we had from his peers was they got annoyed when he lost the ball. Feedback from, you know, the next group, the professional development phase, he's going to need to win the ball back. Feeding all that, but then also, what does this kid love doing? He loves dribbling, so let's let him dribble. But also, we can consciously get him to work on the other side of the game as well. Uh, and it was good, really good, like seeing how you can incorporate that. It was a moment in the game, so he knew when he lost the ball, mm. so yeah. nothing else matters in that time, apart from just running to win the ball back because I'm gonna get praise from my coach, praise from my teammates, and yeah, I'm gonna get the ball to dribble again. Yeah, it's an interesting one. So, I mean, it. At what point does it become successful
0: in terms of an individual betting plan, right? Because, again, this is a conversation I have coach all the time as well in that. Let's just say, for argument's sake, you're talking about dribbling again, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, this player, you know, he, he he performed 10 excellent dribbles today where he took on a player and beat them. All right, brilliant. But how many did he, how many attempts did he make? And out of those, out of those attempts, you know, let's just say he made like, 80 attempts. He's at least been successful in 10. Is that still success?
2: There's the, I think it was Peter Beardsley, was it, in the time that had the most assists, but also the most uncompleted passes? Yeah. Right? So I guess, yeah, it's what you define success. So if you just looked on most assists, you'd say Peter Beardsley's the best player in the world at the time. But if you looked at uncompleted passes, you'd probably say he was the worst player. So, yeah, yeah I think it's what, what you define success. So, so what so would that me, be for you? For me, in that time, success looked like this player is gonna need to understand that he needs to recover and win the ball back for him to stay at that next level. So success.
0: What what and, does demonstrating an understanding look like? Because I, I, now my mind's kind of flowing a bit, and I'm thinking, well, okay, well, the player yeah. understands it, they get it, they understand why they're doing it, they understand the the reasons for it. They can even rationalise for you and, and and relay back to you the exact triggers and timings that they have to respond to to make sure it happens. But it's not happening, so. Where's the level of
2: success? Well, I think, I think if you were to go back, what does the success look like? So if they didn't do it at all and they did it once in the game, that's improvement, right? You could say that's success. If they didn't, if they did once and then suddenly in the next five games, you're seeing them do it a lot more. How do you praise that success? Is it success? For me, it would be success, right? Because you're getting a player that didn't do it. Teammates getting really annoyed. Okay. Might stop that player progressing. To now yeah. oh, that player's doing it. He's. I can see it in the game losing the ball. Bam. His first thoughts to win the ball back. I can see it happening. And it might be five years time. You know. You you might go. Oh, he's not quite getting it, but. It's a long process. Player development is a long process,
0: isn't it? Yeah, it is, and I, again, there's no right or wrong either. I'm just trying to get into the get into the nitty gritty of right. How do, what does everyone look at as, a, as a, a view as success? So, like, you know, if you use that as an example, there they've gone from not doing it to now just doing it, even though it's inconsistent. The fact that they're doing it now and they weren't before that, well, you can argue that's success. But how long does yeah. that stay success? Is it over a period of three months that that's success because they weren't doing it now they're doing it sometimes? Or what if them is just doing it sometimes for the next two years?
2: At what point does it stop becoming? a success does that make sense yeah yeah no i know what you mean i think i think it's you as the coach what do you deem success to be and and then you have to get the club to align to that as well like that is yeah having that alignment of going and that's why i think it's it's important to have kind of like a stable core in in a in a company because okay you can go oh, i remember that player at 14 and he didn't he didn't do any of that but now wow look he's actually doing it whereas someone coming in fresh eyes my go, oh, he's not doing it well enough you'd be like but look at the process or look at the journey yeah. the, the journey to where he's got to now and you're like then you can go oh yeah okay yeah i see it all right so he's made improvement there yeah okay it could keep going so he's you know i think that's why having a stable core of people that go yeah i remember that boy at 14 or i remember you know I think it's really important. And again, success criteria, what do you deem success to be? Yeah, that's no, really, one. One. it's a really interesting
0: one. It's a really interesting one. So let, let, let's come back to your journey. And obviously, you know, you've gone, in, you've gone in, Um, done, you had some time in Bristol, wherever you've gone into Southampton, so you work in early foundation phase. Talk us through that journey. What, you know, what, 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 what did that look like? First of all, when, you know, what was some of the key learnings for you along that way? Because I used to, I used to be of the mind that where a lot of my experience was kind of like 14s to kind of 19s, and a lot of my coaching spent around those, I used to, you know, believe that a lot of the stuff that I was doing with them was just relevant for them. And then yeah. as I started spending more time outside of that age group and started thinking, oh, actually some of the principles which I apply as, as you know, as key fundamentals and how I coach these players, well, actually, no, they, they're they just as relevant over here. um, And they still work. Mm-hmm. I used to feel like, you know, one of them was like, High intensity, as an example, you know, a lot of the stuff that I do is very focused around being high intensity. I used to think, oh, that's not really going to work for younger players. It's not affordable. No, actually, it's exactly what works for them. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts? What are some of the key fundamentals for you around that you approach it within? Did you have similar experiences that you felt actually this isn't going to work going from foundation phase to YDP
2: or the other way around? Yeah. So, I guess at at Bristol City, it was a similar. I was quite like it was a similar sort of philosophy and big on 1v1s um, and then I kind of took that into my business at the time where I was coaching 16s, 18s um, and I was actually quite nervous about going in at the role at Southampton at the time it was under 11s, yeah I think it was under 11s or under 12s, under 11s I think, I was quite nervous about coaching 11 year olds because I was like maybe what, what what works, what what if this stuff doesn't work but I'd always been a big fan of opposed, you know, make it opposed, make loads of decisions, 1v1s. So, and I found out, yeah, that works. Like the kids love it still, but maybe I don't need to break down as much on the tech tack stuff and I can let that slide and let them experiment. Um, and then, yeah, I met, I met a guy called Ben Bartlett. I don't know if you know, Ben, he blew my mind on coaching when I was a lot younger. So it was, he did like my uh, advanced youth award at the time. He he was great for me. He was like, you know, this conversation we just had about success. He was like, what does success look like for that player? What does it look like in your session? Got me thinking about, you know, the thing I would had all big time was player engagement. What does it look like for them? And then the psychosocial, I've kind of had... I kind of touched on that I, I was doing things but not really knowing oh that's why I'm doing it or those are the returns that I'll get from that so yeah he blew my mind on what coaching was um, and then yeah once I was doing a license um, and yeah just observing other coaches I, I know you had Rad on do you have Raddy on who's that sorry do you speak to Raddy yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah, I had him a few weeks yeah. back yeah yeah, so speaking to Rads and a, and a few other coaches, it was, it, yeah, it was like getting that flavor of, oh, that works for that player, that might not work, or oh, you're doing that there, but that player's not responding very well to that, or that player's loving it. So I think my biggest thing is trial and error, like make loads of mistakes and learn. Yeah, I think is the biggest thing. Not ev- The one thing I introduced that I'd, I will 100% take into everything. I got the players to grade the session. Okay. So I would I would do a session, and I would say, right, you turn up tomorrow. That's the same session. Would you be buzzing or not? Interesting. So, and what 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 are they basing it on? Just just whether the fact yeah, they enjoyed it. Exactly. Yeah. Did they enjoy it? What did they learn from it? A lot. would, So you you'd work out what the players want then from that question. So. Yeah. One player would be like, oh, I didn't really enjoy that bit because you know and it'd be like oh it might be there weren't much dribbling as an example and yeah you go all right then you'd think you're like okay how can I maybe get a bit more that dribbling into that it, session you know,
0: yeah that I it. mean I, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud and I'm thinking is that is that the answer or is it, it doesn't matter whether you enjoyed it there's a benefit to it and you need to understand the benefit before you decide whether you enjoy it or not does that make sense because sometimes you know it's, it's getting especially uh, you know the I think anyway Players have to understand they're not going to enjoy every moment of their development, and they have to get used to kind of yeah. under you know going through those moments. So it's not, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. It's like I think too many players, in my opinion, and I think parents feed into this as well, is oh they're not enjoying themselves, so it's not good enough. Well, no, that's not how life works, and that's not how development works. Sometimes actually, it's the bits that you don't enjoy. That are going to make the fundamental difference to whether you're going to become a better player or not and you know it's trying to shift players towards this mindset of all right i didn't enjoy it um, so that means i'm not gonna i'm not gonna, i'm not really gonna apply myself or not actually what you need to do is if you really want to make the difference and really want to set yourself apart is those moments where you feel like you're not enjoying it and everyone else is thinking i'm gonna tap out and check out here that's the bit that you keep going because that's the bit that's going to set you apart, and you want to get to a point where you're not thinking, oh, well, I'm coming here to, you know, to be to be trained. Well, no, you're not coming here to be trained. You're coming here to train. Simple. Now, if you're relying on it from that perspective, you're saying I'm coming here to train. No matter what the sessions asking you to do, you're going to be putting maximal effort in. Then you're going to be able to draw out the benefits, even if you haven't enjoyed it. And if you can do it in the moments where you haven't enjoyed it, guess what? When you're when it's in the moments that you're enjoying it, you're probably going to be even better. That's just my you know maybe that's a very tale yeah. way of looking at it
2: yeah yeah i get it i think i think the enjoyment part is is big though so like as a as a coach like if that's what you wanted to do you wanted to make it hard for them then great you know that's that's great but you know as a coach what is it the what is the feedback that you want so i didn't enjoy it because it was really tough you might go brilliant that was what i wanted you know, mm. so, they, so mm. you, you get it just from that question but if it's like i didn't enjoy it because and it's something that you're not really working on then you probably want to cut that out would be my one you know like you're saying is you're not you're, you're not here to, you're here to train you're here to so great if that's what you're wanting and the player goes i didn't enjoy that bit because i was here to train as an example or it was on my left foot and i didn't really like that's my idea and I didn't really do it, then great, you've hit what you you want. You go, all right, I'll sacrifice maybe the enjoyment because I'm getting loads of returns on this. Yeah. Um, But I think it comes back to like the aims of the coach, you know, like if it's, if you're working on a session where, I think I feel like I'm using dribbling a lot here, but you want the players to dribble loads and a player goes, I didn't enjoy it because I didn't have a chance to dribble. Then you probably want to go, oh, do you know what? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, aims my aims I mean,
2: were there but it didn't work so I think yeah think I, I, having, again I'm
0: just thinking out loud and thinking to myself well actually a player might say they didn't get a chance to dribble but actually the defender might have just been spot on yeah 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 and have they yeah, recognised yeah. that that was the reason why they didn't get many chances to dribble and I, I think you know I, I, I'd probably be more inclined to have those and conversations that,
2: that my bit, that's my bit there that's yeah. coaching so right the defender was spot on so what did you do as a coach then that helped that attacker to be able to dribble did you work on his pre-movement to the yeah. yeah. How many runs did he make to not get the ball to then come and get the ball? Mm. How many times did he play and run run off the shoulder? Did he mm. run off the shoulder? Was he just pinned? You know, that for me, that's the nitty-gritty of coaching. Like, yeah. I didn't enjoy it because I didn't get a chance to dribble. Has probably gone too far because you haven't stepped in at the right time or the right opportunity to go, do you know what? Every time, how many times have you had a chance to dribble today? Uh, none, cope why do you know why it's because of this look every time the ball goes there you're trying you're pinned he can see yeah. the number constantly try and play off his shoulder a little bit more then come in where he can't yeah. see you drop it for me that's the the fine art of the coach like mm. skill i think mm. they call it the skill of the coach i see a lot of people but i think that's those are the bits where that's coaching to me yeah you know? yeah no i think um, it's a great point i think and i think
0: it, 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 certainly with a lot of the coaches that i see coming through now I think that piece around the observation diagnosis kind of is, is is a is a dying art if you like or you know it's a, it's, a, it's a piece that's harder and harder for them to get I think they're seeing less of what's actually happening and more of what they want to see and, yeah. and so they're not able to then like recognize and identify when it's not actually taking place and what the reasons behind that could be so i think it's a, it's a great point so you know kind of just building on that then you talk there about that's the nitty gritty of
2: coaching so let's let's look at that. What is good coaching to you? <laughs> that's a huge question. That's a huge question. I'm gonna. I'll probably get a bit philosophical on you, but I had. I've had two moments from stepping out of club. I've had two moments where I think, blimey, that's good coaching. Three moments. I had one last night actually. Three moments. I had a call from an 18 year old that we released at 16. Um, he called me and said. I want to be a coach and i was like whoa okay you're only 18 he's like i want to be a coach i'm gonna go off to uni can i come in and observe you coach i want to see you coach i always enjoyed your sessions and i felt you had a lot of time for me that was point one for me like i have managed to help a lad who has been released from a club at 16 and then released again at 18 still have that love for football like That, for me, is good coaching. The other moment was a player made his debut uh, and he did a a certain like dribble. He texted me to straight away to say, I did that dribble, by the way, against, I think it was maybe Welbeck or someone. I did that dribble. Did you see it? Again, uh, an affinity of something that he's felt the need to text me about it. And then the last one was last night. I went to watch um, Bristol City under-23s v. Bath City. uh, And I had, uh, there was a few players in there that I'd coached and that that were now at Bristol City and at Bath on loan. And two of them come up to me, uh, just saw me in the the crowd, like I was in the crowd watching. Two of them come up to me and were like, how are you? Are you okay? What are you doing with yourself? Like, for me, that's good coaching. The fact that they see, because I think, you know coaching isn't just tech tact, it's developing good people for me it's developing good people and for them to come out of their cool down to come and say hello to me that i coached them probably five years ago i think we were trying to work it out they were 15 they're 29 yeah so five years ago to remember me and go how are you what are you doing that like, i think that's good coaching yeah but that's not yeah i've gone philosophical on you there but well no I, I, I think it's a great point I'm, I'm just I'm just more thinking
0: and I and I agree with you because you know there's there's certain players that I've you know I've had similar experiences with you know when I first started coaching I see them now and like they're fully grown you know they've probably got kids of their own now as well they're you know I'm going back you know I started my journey just under 15 years ago and some of them you know were probably four, 13 14 15 at the time and now they're all, you know 28 29 30 and I'm thinking blind me, you guys have grown up in like if some of them I'm having life conversations with, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it is, it is, you know, incredible to think of well, how much you maybe overlook the impact we can have on someone. So mm. I, you know, I get it from that perspective. But now if we're talking about actually on the grass with the players, what is good coaching to you? Because this is this is a hot debate, right? In terms of yeah. is there a is there a has the appreciation for what good or what good coaching should or could look like changed in the last decade? You know, what's appreciated now? Has it changed? Um, Is there the same appreciation now maybe than there was ten years ago for the technical elements of the game? Is it the same appreciation or is even more appreciation now for the tactical elements as there was maybe maybe ten years ago? You know, is there too much focus now around creating the environment was it never focused on, or was it actually always focused on and now people have just called it out and given it a name? I don't know,
2: yeah, good question i think from if I think about when I did my b license a long time ago, it was like a team eleven aside, pass or fail a lot of stop stand still, um not much player engagement, yeah <laughs> uh, to like yeah, I would say it's changed, and I'd say it's changed for the better because. I think you're considering the athletes more. You're considering their needs a lot more. But I, I, I do feel that I, me personally, I think there is a time where you do stop stand and still, and this needs to happen, or you, you need to move there. That's got to happen. But I think it's just having an appreciation. I think coaches are, are more aware now that of, uh think affordances. So like the trade-offs. You know. So if I do a lot of stop, stand, still here. I might not get the physical aims that I want, or
0: I might yeah. not get. The, well, I mean, I I would challenge that, I'll, and I'd another question. Do coaches coming through now, even look at stop stand still as an effective method of coaching? Because I'm not sure they do. I'm not, I I I'm almost at the point where I feel like actually they they they've they've either not got an appreciation for how effective and useful it can be. Or they've probably even been discouraged from using it
2: yeah i've i've i guess i i feel that i'm fortunate ah. i've been working with good coaches i feel or people that i feel good coaches and they will do stop stand still and it is it is an important part of you know setting the scene you know that happened let's re let's rehearse it let's replay it uh rusty my mentor uses replay i like that let's replay that bit you've done something really well there um so yeah, I think it it does exist. it is an important part, but it's not the part you know it's not it's like um the old debate of opposed unopposed. I personally do a lot of opposed Go practices because I think that's important, but I'll never say never do unopposed because there might be a part of it you know it might well, well,
0: well, what will be the limitations to that because this is a, this is a real hot one for me as well i mean i <laughs> i i i fundamentally my opinion is that listen it's not that i'm arguing the point that unopposed practice does not have any benefits yeah it most certainly does have some benefits but for me i can't understand how anyone would believe that it would outweigh the benefits of opposed practice and that that's fundamentally it so then you know on that note it's almost well
1: My rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do
2: it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When
0: everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense.
1: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
0: The unopposed work. And whether it's done in isolation as a a collective or whether it's done on a one-to-one basis, the question I'm always asking is this. Well, if it's unopposed, why am I getting players to come into my environment to do unopposed work when they can do that by themselves? They shouldn't have to come to me and be able to do the same things that they could do without me. That's how I look at it. But but That's just my opinion. But go on. What's your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I share share the same. Uh, One thing I find really hard is I see a lot of one-to-one coaching on Twitter and stuff, and it's like dribbling around cones. Uh, It's like a cheerleader. Someone's a cheerleader going, yeah, yeah. Uh, I find that really hard. So I have a bias. I like opposed that was my sort of thing when I was a kid thing adult I'm a coach I like it to be opposed I probably I'll come on to that in a bit actually the other part of what I do but yeah the opposed thing. I'll never say you know I'll never say there's I would never do it but it depends again outcomes what am I trying to do what's the what's the scene that I'm trying to set what's the scenario um if ever I've, I've I probably have to do it maybe once or twice a season if I've got just one player maybe or but I would always be like I would use a clip um so I had a striker once I'd use um the da Ronaldo you know Brazilian Ronaldo and I'd be like look at this goal he scored for Inter Milan like he beat that player here and then bam to put it straight into the corner and I'd be trying to you know set that scene in the player's mind that Pretend it's opposed. We haven't got opposition, but pretend it's opposed, drop your yeah. shoulder there, go there, bam, bottom corner. So I think like role playing or like... I I, I think I think you're spotting. So, you know, I've
0: kind of, you know I've recently been talking about this a lot and I've been saying that, you know, for me, it it's almost sounds counterproductive, but or counterintuitive, but I think unopposed practice should be left to the elite end of the game. And not elite in terms of them playing in the premier league or no but elite in the in the sense that they understand the context of the game they understand the game they can see the pictures they can visualize it right um because without that well they're not going to get those nuances that you've talked about well actually no what was the timing and what did ronaldo might you know what did he see at that moment that made him decide this is the time i'm going to drop the shoulder and come back in OK, brilliant. The defender's not there in front of you. but Can you visualise that that same, you know, variable that's impacting with you? You know, the defender's coming in at this angle. Okay, brilliant. Think about the defender coming in from the right rather than thinking about the defender coming from the left. So even as an example, if I was doing... Let's just say I'm playing the ball to you. We're doing it unopposed. I'm passing the ball into you. You're just passing and receiving, right? Play the ball to you say, all right, Gary, the first time you receive this, I want you to imagine there's a player on your left-hand shoulder. Well, immediately you're going to change the way you pick the pick up the ball, and yeah. then it's all right, brilliant. Now on the next one, it can't just imagine he's coming in from a different angle. Right this time, imagine that you know he's giving you some space behind you. You can get it, and you're you know your your challenge is to can you turn and face a defender? Well, what you might do is you might drop off and then turn and receive, or receive and then turn whatever. So it's like you're starting to paint those pictures for the player, and they start. Oh, actually, do you know what? It's not just a passing receiving practice I'm now responding to a visual reference yeah. now you know there's two fundamental parts here one how often are coaches actually doing that in unopposed practice if if at all they've even got the information to be able to do it with um and if they if they haven't, I think this is where the problem comes sometimes you know sometimes as coaches we want to assume our players also get it. Well, if they did, they wouldn't need us. Yeah. It's... Um, and if they did get it, and they still need us, well, they need us to give them the next layer. How many of us have got the next layer after that piece? And this is the you know coming back to what I was saying to you earlier. Okay, well, once they get that success, what's next? Do you know what's next? Or you know the question I've been having a, a debate I've been having with a lot of coaches recently around right when we're identifying potential, looking at players. How, we, how are we actually measuring that? And, you know, I've I've come up with a, it's just a theory based on some of the conversations I've had. Is I think too many coaches are looking at players and it's either that player is good enough or they're not good enough based on what's in, what's what's in the environment that they're comparing it to. So Gary's going into this group here. Gary's not quite as good as these guys, right? So he's not good enough. That's just point blank. That's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is, Gary is not quite there yet but I believe with my support I could get him to that okay but then the other side of that is if the coach is limited in their understanding and their perception of how impactful they can be are they now capping the potential of a player based on their own understanding and so you know it's, it's, an, it's an interesting debate I've been having I don't know what your thoughts are on that or
2: yeah Let me go back on just back onto the um unopposed bit that i did so i think sometimes when you're the most constrained so i only have one player you can be the most creative so i had i was throwing tennis balls to be defenders like i had a yoga ball that i was rolling out to be a defender trying to make it you know real that you'd have to move like i was putting it at an angle and stuff so i think you can get creative and do something that the player maybe not won't get at home within the context of, right, I'm trying to help him with this particular moment in the game. Um, Yeah, the identifying players one, it's a minefield, by the way, because I've seen, I've seen players released that are now about to be sold for £30 million. You know, like I've seen, I've seen a lot of things, lads, that maybe are definitely going to come through, definitely, nah, doesn't come through. So, but I think you you have to take context. I think the context is is key, like you're saying there, with your coaching, yes. You believe that you could get that player to another level. Also, like what's his training age? What's his desire like? How hard does he work? Has he gone through, you know, peak height velocity at the moment? What's his background? Has he been released? Does that maybe build a bit more resilience in him that you think he's gonna need to get through to the next level? So um and then, how resourceful are they? You know, like, are they, are they knocking down on the analyst's door to say, can you, can you send me some clips of the, the old Ronaldo? You know, I want to see what he did a, up against big defenders. Can you send me clips of myself against big defenders? I'm finding it hard. Do they seek out the coach? You know, like, can you help me with this? I'm finding this hard. I think all those things mm. are like the context. You know, mm-hmm. behind. That player or not hmm. that player? No, I, think it's, I think it's a great point. But I think was it Carl the Walker? Come, the question comes. Carl but it, Walker the other day. Was it Carl Walker the other day that said yeah. um, he watched Vinicius loads of times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Champions League uh, before the game they played was it semi-final? Yeah. Uh, he watched him loads of times. sought out loads of clips. Went through it with the analysts. Like those are the bits that you don't see.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean. And it's easier to obviously get get that at the top end. And I, I mean, and I and I totally agree with what you where you're coming from. But my my question is this: is what happens if you've got a player who's got that mindset? They want they want they they want to get better, but they don't have the ideas around how that could look. So they don't even have the the the, the knowledge or the know how to be able to say actually, do you know what, Gary? Can, can we get out some clips and look at that and see how that can maybe benefit me? They haven't even they're not even thinking about that. But then the coach isn't thinking about that either. How, how, how do what, what, you know what do we do? How do we you get our players to become, become better because this is the, this yeah. is the bit right and I'm, I'm I'm challenging coaches, well, are you limiting the player's potential based on your competency as a coach, or are you saying actually, what is it that we're not doing? Are you asking those questions enough? and this is the, the challenge of having my role as coach developer when I'm speaking to coaches, well, yeah, you you're doing this, but what's over here? What's above what you're doing already? Have you thought about that, or, or, or are you looking at it and saying, well, actually, you know, the, the, what I'm doing is working? Okay, yeah, but is it working as good as it could be? Is the question. Uh, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are on that kind of view.
2: What have you done to support that player getting better in the last six months? Boom, like, yeah, you know, when you get coaches thinking about, well, I put on, I put on this session, and you know, it was a generic session. Then you think, well, you know, what have you done to help him within that session? Mm. Whereas you might get some coaches go do you know what, I sat down with him and I did one-to-one analysis on him receiving back to goal as an example, or we've done some sprint work for him to receive off the shoulder, we've incorporated NFL, so he's running off the shoulder now and running behind, Mm, you know, mm. like those are the bits you're thinking, oh, that coach is really trying, you know, really trying something. Um, I've put on sessions where I've mixed who he's against to give him success, some where I've made it really hard, I've got maybe the lad from the year above, I've put him up. I've stretched him in that way. I've sat down and had conversations with him, I've tried to support him. I've spoke to the parents and said, mm. like, he's, could you have a have a look at this in games? Like when he does it really well, can you give him good praise? You know, I'm big on that. Catch him doing something well and then do it again. Mm. You know, you know, I, I've got my son, you know, he's uh, potty training at the moment. You know, he's coming in and going, Daddy, I, d- I did it. And I'm like, well done, you know. Boom, he goes in and does it again. Like, those are the bits that I think are, are big. So, yeah, but, those are but, the but But, but
0: that that just it just comes back to my previous question, right? Son's potty training, well done. When does well done become, well, that's what's expected. Yeah, Right. Because yeah, yeah, there's that yeah, fine yeah. line, isn't there? Because it's now probably, well, I'm not getting praised for this anymore. And it's like, well, why am I praising for, you for something that you should be doing by now?
2: Yeah, yeah, and then it's what's the next challenge, you know? I don't want to use my son's potty training, but it might wash yeah. his hands, you know? Like that's that's the skill of the coach. Like what is what's next? So, yeah, I've got him receiving off the shoulder, brilliant, but his timing might not be right. So he's getting caught offside quite a lot. What's that pre pre movement to allow him to stay onside? You know, how many times he made a blindside run? How many times he mixed it up? When mm-hmm. he's in those areas, his finishing's not great. And I think those are the bit. I think accountability. Is the biggest thing that a coach can have yeah so take accountability i've i've come across a lot and i've been guilty myself in the past of ah oh, you can't finish first time in the box and you think hang on a minute how many times have i actually worked on that with him <laughs> you know like those are the bits so for me accountability is massive if a player is not doing something what have you done to
0: help them so let's talk about that really really interesting so you know what what are your thoughts on telling players that what they you know you've talked there about catching them doing it well you know mm-hmm. essentially giving them praise and what gets re- rewarded gets repeated essentially what is your views on telling players actually that wasn't good enough
2: in in what context
0: so you know you hear you hear you know and i think we've all been guilty of it we all you know hear players even us as coaches oh you yeah, throw away the face you know throw around the freight the phrase of that was unlucky actually no it, it, in the nicest way possible it was just shit it was bad it was not good enough
2: yeah i hate the unlucky phrase it's either like poor technique or you know the, the other one jeff noonan would hit, love this so how many times do your coaches say good strike but it was straight at the keeper what well, is it this is it i'm saying well hold
0: on a second the goalkeeper's not even moved um yeah. it, it's interesting i've had this conversation recently with, with um some coaches that i'm working with around um the biggest differences that i've seen in the female game and the male game right and it's interesting especially around finishing you know, you talk there about finishing one of the biggest differences i've seen when it comes to finishing is that i've not got the data in front of me specifically to look at it but i would i would i wouldn't be surprised if my observations came out with the data that there was more accurate shots in the female game than there is in the male game. Um, Because what my observations have been is that female players, just in my experiences, are more concerned with not missing the target than they are with actually scoring the goal. Male players, they don't mind missing the target because they're more concerned with trying to get it in the corners,,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but fundamentally, a miss is a miss. If it didn't go in, it didn't go in, so you know it's it's been quite an interesting one because we have been supporting coaches in the female game in the last few months, and then comparing it to some of the coaches I'm working with in the male game, and they're looking at the difference in the players and their mindsets. it's like well, if you look in the female game, well how many of the how many of the shots that have been saved were actually have they been saved or have they just been given to the keeper? yeah yeah male game nine times out of ten my observation well actually you know, the goalkeeper actually having to make saves if they're making saves um yeah. and that's just generalization but it's it's been it's a really interesting it's been a really interesting observation in terms of actually well how does that then influence an impact on the ability of the coach to recognize well the needs and the demands of what the game is asking him to kind of work on if that makes sense
2: yeah it does i think um Another thing of mine is I'm big on the stats and how I incorporate that into sessions, so I do a lot of first time, fin- I'll reward a lot of first time finishes in second six yard box because it's the most common finish right in football. Um, but I think going on to like the accuracy, it, it's hard because I think. You know, like if you speak to, so I've spoken to certain strikers that will say, I was up against this keeper and I knew I had to be on point in the corners because anything that's not in the corner, he'll just save. you know, whereas oh, I knew I could, against this keeper, he doesn't like me shooting high, so I would just shoot high and it'd be easy to score a goal as an example. So yeah. I think a lot. there's a lot of context around the accuracy. Um, I haven't worked in the female game. It does interest me though, because um, I think it's going to be big. Um but yeah, i I, I won't be able to compare, but I know speaking to strikers and like what's going through their head at the time is also who they're against again mm. my uh my theory for making it opposed no, no and no, I think you're spot on, and I think it's
0: I think what's more important is not getting them to understand who they're against, but getting them to understand how that they can how that is actually a variable in itself. Yeah. That's a consideration himself. Are they doing the groundwork to? It doesn't have to be pre-game, and depending on what level you're working at, you might not even have access to that information. But actually, as the game's going on, are you recognising actually very quickly this is what they like to do, this is how that player likes to play, this player prefers to sh- dive right as opposed to dive left. You know, can I use that to my advantage? How does that interact and in con- you know contradict to my strengths and my areas for development? And it, I think these are some of the variables which I, I'm, I'm constantly saying, let's get players thinking about these things. Because if they yeah. can start to assess these things on the pitch, you know, a, a, a friend of mine, he, he often uses the phrase, well, we've got the potential of having 11 analysts on this pitch. Can we make them 11 analysts? Can we yeah. get them to observe that? Not just not just looking at it from an individual perspective, but actually, or well, well, Gary's made that one there. How does that impact me? Gary's holding onto the ball a bit, a bit too long. How does that impact me? If like, Gary's holding onto the ball and he's doing that often, am I going to stop running or am I going to say, well, actually, well, knowing that that's Gary's pattern of play, what do I do to make sure I'm still an option? Do you know what I mean, and just trying to get them in that frame of mind. So you know, I guess you know, there's so many different avenues that we kind of explore in terms of what good coaching is, and you know, but it's it's just really interesting. So you know, just coming back to your journey now, then you know, you've gone Bristol City, Southampton. You've gone in there. You talked to working about the youth development phase, and what what does that look like for you then? You know what, what? What should it look like at, at working in that in that and stage of the game? What are some of the key considerations that you have to make? Because I feel like, for me, especially in youth development, that kind of YDP age group and that 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 portion of the journey is probably probably the most diverse in terms of the needs and actually dealing with challenges of players and their and and, and where they're at, if that makes sense. Yeah,
2: yeah, it is. You're, you're trying to get the crystal ball out constantly on 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 players. If I had my way, I wouldn't. I would probably just try and hold on to everyone, and try and. I think what I think throughout those years, and come back onto a previous point as well is you're trying to build resourcefulness. I, I feel you're trying to build resourcefulness. So you said 11 analysts on the pitch, right? You could have 11 coaches that are analysts, that are sports science as well at the same time, and also psychologists. At your disposal, if you build resourcefulness into those pe- people, you know. Um, I mentioned my mentor earlier, uh, Rusty. He um, he's big on getting players coming to him, so getting players coming to you, asking you questions, yeah. And how you build that environment. So yeah, I think coming back onto it is the most diverse, but you've got the potential to build resourcefulness in what is a brain still developing you know, they're still developing as people, they're still developing as players, and you've got the opportunity to really build as much resourcefulness into them as you can, and I think you've got to have the end goal in sight of, I'm just trying to make them as resourceful as possible, and I'm trying to help them as much as I can, those are the two things I think that you've got to have, as well as the tech tact, understanding that, I think um, my old academy manager, Ed Vahid, someone I respect a lot, he he used the phrase love unconditionally because they'll do things, they'll do things that you're like, what, 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 why? Like, what have they just done? Or, you know, uh, as far as like, you'll do a heavy session and then you know that it's a rest day and they'll go off and do something with a one-to-one coach, as an example, and maybe get injured, but then you have to love them unconditionally you have to say okay that's fine no problem a bit like the conversation we had earlier with kids you know they're gonna do that that's fine let's help them learn from it so what have you learned from that you know that experience or i'll probably learn after a strong day like that i maybe need to i'll never discourage one-to-one work and players trying to get better i'll never ever discourage that what i will say is maybe there's a time where you have to go, oh, I'll rest that day, and then I'll go out with my one-to-one coach, you know, because I, I'm a firm believer. If they're going with a one-to-one coach, they're wanting to get better at football, you know, like which is fine. Whether I agree yeah, the, with the intentions, right. right? The intention, brilliant. Yeah. you're trying to do that, so I think yeah, love unconditionally. You know, that was just one example, but yeah, you have to love them unconditionally mm. because you, they will do things that you're like, I can't believe you've just done that. But you have to go. All right lesson learned from it you know that i'm trying to say my son the other day the tv remote he just gets it and throws it at the tv and you're like why has he done that yeah breaks and you're like okay all right can you see the consequence now but if he didn't do it he wouldn't know the consequence yeah yeah.
0: so i mean it's it's interesting because obviously you know we're thinking about learning there and it's i always think back to when i was younger and i had two you know i had two older brothers so i often learned through a lot through observation of what they did you know it could be as simple as you know them touching the you know touching the oven hob um, while the fires on and it's like oh my god actually he's been burnt by that I don't want to feel that I don't want to I don't I don't want to experience that but then you know there are there some things though wasn't there that you just have to experience yourself um or do you think yeah. we can just truly learn through observation of others?
2: Uh, yeah I think probably it's a it's a it's a big one on learning but definitely I think definitely observation of others you can learn. And also from experience, you have to get a feel of things. There's there's loads of times where I've I've said a player's done something that I'm like that is so good. Oh my god, how good is that? And I'll ask them, and they're like, I had no idea that player was there. I just felt that that was the right thing to do. Like they're not analysed it or anything. They're just like that was the right. I just felt that was the right thing to do. I could sense it, or I could feel like those are the things I think you have to experience it to be mm. like, yeah. learn
0: i guess no it's fascinating you know i'm quite i'm conscious of time so and i I, want to kind of hit you with two real key quick questions and just get your real insights on it so you know we talked you used the phrase earlier on um that's good coaching if if i was listening to this or if there was someone listening to this right now and thinking do you know what actually i want to be that 18 year old that contacted gary and said i want to be a coach What would be some of the first messages that you'd want them to kind of take on board and apply in their own journeys?
2: Oh, that's massive. (laughs) I think, know why you you want to do it. Know why you want to do it. I've, I've come across coaches that want to do it because they love helping people. I've come across coaches that want to do it because they want the fame, you know, which either is fine, Eva's absolutely fine. But if you want to be in youth development and you want to help people, that's probably the right right mix. So yeah, know why you want to do it. If you want to help people, brilliant, great. If you want to do it because you want the fame, brilliant, great, but just make sure that you do roles that match those two things. The other thing would be make mistakes get out on the grass make as many mistakes as possible and learn from them that learning process that we were just talking about you know that's how you'll learn the most like the other bit again love unconditionally like players will do things people will do things um you think what happened there but then that might be them trying to learn from certain things and then from for me it's about enjoyment as well enjoy what you do if you enjoy mm. what you do, it's it's not work. If the players enjoy what they do, it's not work. You know, like those mm. are the things. Um, yeah, that'll probably be the main thing for me.
0: You know, just again, just one thing I'd kind of maybe add on to that and kind of just wrap up on this f- f- from your insights in that. One of the biggest things that I I've thought about within that within that question itself in that space is the importance of having someone alongside you, not it, not necessarily in your environment all the time, but having someone that you can go to is actually going to challenge you, right? And I think um, the more and more time I spend with coaches in a coach development capacity, the more and more I realise just how important that piece is. And it's not challenging you from a perception of, I've got a better idea, but just challenging you and saying, well, why did you do it that way?
2: Yeah. Why did you it. do it that way? yeah that's the other bit rationale so why are you doing that i but think, I think there's a massive difference right? about there's a difference minutes, there's a difference between rationale and
0: reason right um yeah and, and, I, and I say that specifically because i think too many coaches have a rationale but it's just a reason because it's not backed up by any sort of evidence or credibility
2: yeah yeah and i think that's how you you judge right that's how you judge things on your, your reasoning your understanding of it so uh you could say i want my number nine to get into this goal and goal scoring position more because the stats suggest that if he gets into that position he's going to score a lot more goals but the coach could be saying when he gets into that position i want him to finish on his second touch but actually that's poor coaching you know because mm, in that mm. position he's not going to have the time and the stats would say first time finishes are the most common so yeah you know like that reasoning and understanding and rationale is important so you could have clear stats the other thing is like what what I'm doing this because I genuinely believe this player needs to get better at x right and that could be your reasoning but you have to then have that challenge of or that person that might go why does he need to get better at that what's he doing currently that makes you suggest that he needs to get better at that you know and then have that conversation in your head or with that person before you go to the player and go this mm. is it one thing I'm, i've am i been i've been working on a lot like in this time observing coaches loads of things so the bit of how to get players coming to you so like gas can i get better at this or what do you think of that like mm. how can i do that the resourcefulness and the other bit of involvement like how I've been doing some sessions with players like group sessions with players that they're saying what you want you want me to be a part of designing the practice and i'm like yeah yeah (laughs) like yeah and they're like i've never done that before you're like whoa you're 21 years of age professional player you've never been the part of designing a practice Mm. like wow and then the buzz that they got from it was like well this happens a lot or I, i find this so then you can get into like the nitty-gritty of mm. the individual and then then i had them sending me clips like look at this i did this can we make that on the session you're like wow i can't yeah so i'm, I'm working on that piece at the moment involvement Yes, yeah. i don't know what I that looks like just... coming out of club i've been able to have the time i'm well, not yeah. an excuse i've been able to have sort of three or four Players that I've been able to go
0: right. I, th- I think it's such a great tool um, because you're giving yourself an opportunity to really understand the game problems that they identify, mm-hmm. um, and then you can effectively, you know, develop and design the more appropriate and relevant practices for the players you're working with. Um, but then again, you're getting them to kind of de- delve into that world of what's actually happening in the game, how much have I actually looked at, and how much have I observed, and what am I, what am I, what am I looking at, but what am I seeing? Yeah, you know what I mean, and understanding the difference between those two things, and you know, uh, yeah, we're gonna end up going into into a whole rabbit hole with this one, but <laughs>
2: there's, there's there is some some bits there. Like, yeah. So I had a player come to me and said, I'm up against this centre back mm. in two weeks time, and I'm quite nervous. I've watched the game back. I've watched certain things that he does, but I'm not. I'm not sure on how to gain an advantage. Can you watch the game? Can mm. you watch his games and then come, let's meet over a coffee and discuss how I can get the better of him? I've never had that. So coming out of club, I've never had that. Do you know what I mean? And it's like... yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like,
0: I think it just gives you, again, huge. I'll come back to your phrase. That's good coaching. Maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Like, it's literally getting to that point where actually... It's not just what happens on the pitch, but it's what happens off it and the conversations away from it and how you then make those relevant. But actually that interpersonal piece, right, to the point where they're understanding. I'm out of context, away from the environment, and that might be what I need for the coach to be able to get through to me in a different way. Um, but again, that's understanding the individual, isn't it? And I think that's, that yeah. piece is so important. Um, yeah, no, fascinating stuff, man. It's got my mind <laughs> thinking, juices <and laughs> flowing, definitely. Yeah, hundred yeah, <laughs> percent. No,
2: no, it's good. It's good,
0: Gary. Um, again, conscious of time. Um, really want to you know, massively appreciate your time this morning. I really appreciate it, and hopefully you've enjoyed the conversation as much as I have. Um, just on a final note before we shoot off, anywhere where the listeners potentially could get in touch with you and find out a little bit more about you, and just you know potentially expand on the conversation we've had with you.
2: Um, I'm not a big Twitter fan but uh, or anything like that um, but I am on LinkedIn so yeah feel free to drop me a message on LinkedIn or anything if you want to talk coaching and my perception of good coaching yeah no problem amazing. at all
0: amazing Gary thank you again very much really
2: appreciate your time thank you Yes.